morning. The Bible reading this morning is taken from Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 to 30, the parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Welcome again. It's great to be with you. Um, There was one other announcement I wanted to mention to you really important and uh, I just want to give you, we want to give you, Sarah and I, we want to give you as much notice as we can. We recognise that this year is just screaming to to an end, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, So Saturday the 24th of November, we have something really special planned called Ignite. And what we want to do is gather the church family and uh, we want to spend some really intentional time together uh, in worship in prayer, um, reconnecting with our vision, and uh, really enjoying a time of fellowship together. We sense we had a leadership team meeting on Thursday night. Um, God's doing some great things in the life of this church. We feel that we're on the verge of, of, of a new season, a new chapter in our church's life. Um, one very obvious thing that we've spoken about this morning is, is a youth pastor, but there are a number of things spiritually that are happening in the life of this church. We really feel that there's a, a, a bit of a juncture, a time to draw a line in the sand and move forward as God's people, which is very exciting. 
And uh, so we want to do some things to kind of prepare the house, prepare our hearts for what God is, is going to do. We don't want to wait until January. We want to get into a space of preparation and readiness and repentance now. Uh, and so we're, we're asking you to consider coming along on Saturday the 24th of November from 9.30 to 2 p.m. It's only going to cost you 10 bucks. Um, and we'll have lunch and morning tea, but the spiritual impact and investment that's going to happen in your life, and I believe in this church's life, is going to be significant. Uh, that great term, ignite, I think, which Lisa came up with, which was great, um, really summarizes, captures the idea of what this day is all about. Igniting this church on fire for God in a new and a fresh way um, for all that he is doing and for all that he is going to do. So I really invite you to consider marking that date in your diary and, uh, and making that a priority to be there with us. Well, this morning we start a new series, a four-part series, and our last series, which we just finished up last Sunday, looking at the life of David, it was a a long 10-week series, it was a wonderful series, and I trust it was a blessing to many of you, but in that series, the application was very internal. It was very much about um, learning about the type of heart posture that honours God and the types of hearts that please God and, and hearts that are after God are hearts that are, are soft and humble and repentant and prayerful before Him and hearts that put Him first. And so our last series was, was really asking us to examine our hearts and to have hearts that are true before God. Um, this series is, is going to be a totally different Series in that the application that we're going to be faced with as a church is going to be very practical. Okay, this series for us is going to at times be really uncomfortable as we talk about the way we use our money, as we talk about the way we use our time and our energy, the gifts and the resources and the possessions that God has given us, the way we treat and use our bodies. And for for, for many of us, myself included, this will be at times challenging. And it's a highly practical series. And it's going to invite each of us to examine all of these different areas of our lives. And we might be challenged to reprioritize how we use all of these gifts and resources and abilities that God has given to us. So I want to invite you to engage with what God might be saying to you as an individual, uh, perhaps to you as a family, and indeed that we as a church family might be listening to him, that we might be found faithful, that we might be those who are commended as being faithful stewards. This morning we start with the parable um, that we've just heard that Anna read to us. We're going to be talking about stewardship. What, What is Stewardship. Here's a a definition of stewardship that's helpful for us, I think. Stewardship is the responsibility of managing some assets or affairs or property of someone else. Stewardship is essentially about managing something that's not your own. It's it's about managing. And, and, And to manage something is to have oversight of something and to ensure that we treat it well. And we're looking after it for somebody else. 
And in the parable that we just heard, there are three servants who are given talents of varying amounts. Two of those servants, upon the return of the master, um, are commended with these words, well done, good and faithful servant. So it ought to be our goal, should it not, to receive that commendation when our master returns. Well done, good and faithful servant. So the big question that we're going to ask throughout this series is this. What does it mean? What does it mean and what does it look like to be faithful stewards of all that God has resourced us with? What does it mean to be faithful stewards with all that God has resourced us with? God has given each of us, in varying amounts and degrees, He's given all of us money and possessions, time and energy and gifts and abilities. All people, to, to varying degrees, have all of these things. Um, and so we're going to ask through this series, uh, what does it mean to be faithful stewards with all of that God has given to us? Now, when we come to face this question of stewardship, the very normal and natural place for us to begin is to ask, well, how much do I have to give to be a faithful steward? Like, do I need to give 5% or do I need to give 10% of my time or my possessions or, or my money? Um, how much do I need to give in order to be found faithful? This is the normal, natural question that we would start with. But I want to suggest that it's the entirely wrong place to start. It's the wrong mentality. You see, the right place to start is found in Psalm 24, verse 1. And here is the big idea about this morning. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If there's just one thing to take away from this morning, this is it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This changes everything. <laughs> this changes everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it including me. <laughs> so when we read that psalm, it's easy for us to kind of go, the earth is the Lord's, that's all out there. Is, is it? Sure. But the earth is the Lord and everything in it actually includes, it includes you and it includes me. <laughs> James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. What this means is that every area of our lives is from God. Our wallets and the contents therein belong to God. Our bank accounts belong to to God, the cars that we drive, the homes that we live in, 
the bodies that we have, the time and energy that we have, the gifts and abilities, if the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then that actually means that everything I have belongs to God. It's not mine. It's all His. It's all His. It really changes your perspective when you start to see everything that you have as God's. I'm a little bit scared about this, to be honest, personally. As I've been preparing and thinking about this series and starting to look at things, I'm starting to go, actually, Joel, that's not yours. <laughs> that's God's. Now, it doesn't mean that I can't enjoy what he's given me, we can't enjoy the good things he's given us. But it does mean we need to start asking, how am I using this to honour my master? What has he given this to me for? How can it be used to further his purposes and extend his kingdom? In the parable, the growth of the investment is for the master. It's not for the servant. It's for furthering the master's wealth and the master's kingdom. Does that make sense? It all belongs to God. Now, in one sense, this is super challenging um, as we, in a sense, need to somewhat disconnect from having this mentality that says, it's all mine, it all belongs to me, and I need to protect it and safeguard it or build it and grow it for my own purpose... Um, to, to start to have a paradigm shift and an understanding that it all belongs to God, all of a sudden it changes the dynamic and the relationship that I have to everything that is, has been entrusted to me. Um, to start to view oneself as being a steward uh, reshapes the way that we start to consider how we're using our time and our resources, whether it's just to enhance our own personal comfort and lifestyle or whether we're actually using all that God's given us to glorify him and to build and extend his kingdom. Uh, if we read on to the second verse of Psalm 24, we see this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So what the psalmist is now doing is he's tying um, the ownership of, of everything to God. He's connecting that to the creation. Um, he's connecting that and he's using that imagery, that Hebrew imagery of um, the chaotic waters where God established in the darkness and the chaos, he established order and created the earth. So what the psalmist is doing is he's connecting creation with ownership. So everything is God's because he's the creator. He's the maker of everything. Anything that you and I own... Has, has its origin, if you like, in the ultimate creator because he has set in motion um, resources and minds and brains that are able to make things like iPhones. Everything is God's because he is the creator. And this is the foundational truth of Scripture, that God is the creator. 
It's the very first word of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. This foundational truth, which is foundational to the Scripture, it's foundational to our understanding of who God is, it's, our, it's foundational to our understanding of what it means to live as a believer, is to understand that God is creator. And if God is creator, then he is owner. Everything belongs to him. Everything. This truth shapes or reshapes our understanding of our relationship to all that has been entrusted to us. And the New Testament, sort of, even though we see that that is an Old Testament principle that begins right at the very beginning of the Bible in the first line, the New Testament continually affirms this understanding and belief. So in John 1 3, a, a gospel that is closely aligned with Genesis 1, John 1 and Genesis 1, through him all things were made. See, John begins with, in the beginning as well. In, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Colossians 1, 16, for in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's a very strong principle that comes through in the New Testament. It all belongs to God and it's all to be used for His glory. When a car manufacturer makes a car, they generally put their badge on the car, don't they? And we can tell what type of a car, what type of make that car is because of the badge that is on it. Wouldn't it be interesting if God had a, a badge on everything that we owned that reminded us that it's not ours, that in fact it's God's? Or imagine if, for example, Volkswagen decided that they would choose you to drive this beautiful um, Golf, a beautiful Golf, and uh, you don't have to pay a cent for it. You don't have to pay a cent for it. You, they're just going to give it to you to enjoy. Um, but the badge is there to remind you that you are a steward of this car, that ultimately it belongs to them. It's not yours, but you've been entrusted with it to enjoy and to use for their purposes. And so the harder you drive that thing, the more enjoyment you're going to get for it. Um, but it, it, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? When you think about all of these products that we own that have badges and brands on them, kind of in a sense, even though we, in a sense, we, we think, oh, I own this, um, we need to be reminded, that's a wonderful reminder that no, I don't own this, God owns this. So whenever we see things that are branded, we can actually use that as a reminder that it belongs to someone else. It belongs to God doesn't actually belong to Volkswagen. It belongs to God. So how are you going to use it for his glory and his purposes, Joel? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, we're very familiar with this passage. But what this is showing us here, that word world in the Greek means cosmos, which kind of means, or it means order. It means everything. Um, the entire universe, 
And what we see here is that God not only created and owns everything, but he loves everything he's made and everything he's created. He is deeply, deeply invested in. God is deeply invested in our world. He didn't just create it uh, and then sort of step back. He sent his only son into the world so that all who believe in him would be reconnected with him. He's so deeply invested in this world and he's returning. He's coming back. The parable that we, was read to us, we are kind of in this in-between time where Jesus has ascended to the Father and he is coming back to restore and to renew everything. He is going to make this world new again. He is so deeply invested in his world. And what we do with what is his really matters. Stewardship has its origins at the very beginning of Scripture and it runs all the way through. So if we look at the second chapter of Genesis, which gives us a bit more of a detailed perspective of creation. We get the the story of God placing man and woman in a garden for a particular purpose. So verse 8, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man, and we know later subsequently the woman, he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees go out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And then in verse 15, so all that's all God had made, God places the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So right at the very beginning of creation, God creates, God owns. He places humanity into the garden to take care, to work it and to tend to it and to take care of it. And so the theology, if you like, of stewardship has its origins right in the very creation story. It all, is, it all is all God's. It all belongs to him. And our role is to steward that which is his. So stewardship. That's what this parable that was read to us is all about. And in Matthew 25 to 14 to 30, the context of this parable, and there's, another, there's several parables surrounding it, essentially are all about the end times. They're all about the end times and Jesus' return. And the man going on a journey is Jesus, if you like, in the parable that was read for us. He is about to go on a journey, and before he goes on a journey, he distributes some talents to three servants. And um, the servants have this period of time um, that they're to use those talents before the master returns. And we're told that the amount given was based on their ability. Um, and it was a significant amount that was given to them. Everyone is entrusted with something. Whether they've been entrusted with five or two or three or one talent is actually, in a sense, indifferent. The fact is, depending on their ability and their capacity, they're given something. And they, as the parable plays out, they, the first two go away and, and they're able to double what was given to them. And the third servant buries in the ground uh, what was given to him. And so it doesn't double, it doesn't, nothing else comes from it. And then at the end of the parable, we kind of have the, the master returns and we have either a reward or a rebuke or a reward and a punishment. 
And the point of the parable is actually not how much you've been given. It's what you did with what you had. And I think when it comes to stewardship, there are many of us who would say, I don't have very much. I can't offer to God my time. I'm too busy. I have too many things going on. I'm like, I can't volunteer for church, or I can't join that small group, or I can't... Uh, whatever it is that God might be calling you to do with His time, um, we have a poverty mentality that says, I don't have enough. I can't give. You know, it's okay for that person because they've, they've got a lot more time than I do. Well, we all have the same amount of time. It's just how we choose to use that time. Or with money, I really am struggling financially. I, I, I don't have money to give towards the youth pastor or towards the church or towards you know, m- supporting mission or compassion or whatever it might be. Um, I, I just, you know, I'm struggling week to week. It's okay for that person to give to God because they have an abundance. But you see, in the parable, everyone is given something. And for whatever is given to you, the expectation is that you will use that And we're not to compare ourselves with others. God's not. God's just looking at us and the time and the energy and the gifts and the resources that he's given to us. And if we're to be found faithful stewards, the question for us is, how did you use what I gave you for my glory and for my purposes? I mean, even the the servant that has one talent is putting money into the bank to invest hard. That's a really super easy task. He didn't even do that. And, and I think there's a real rebuke there that sometimes even what God might ask us to do, like even giving God, it's not what God wants, but even the bare minimum is better than nothing. <laughs> he could have done the bare minimum. And even that would have been something. But instead, the other thing that I note in that particular parable is the third servant who does nothing but buries the money is operating out of a spirit of fear. He actually has the wrong perspective of his master. He says, you're a hard man. And he's fearful of the man. I think that's an insight for us, isn't it? We're not to operate out of a spirit of fear with God. We've been called into the light. We're to operate out of a spirit of love and generosity for God so loved the world that he gave to model and to reflect and to image God harking back to the Genesis account again is to be people who live their lives out of love and generosity because that's 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 the heart of who God is God loves God gives if we're operating out of a spirit of fear it's going to cripple us And it's going to prevent us from being found faithful stewards. What has been entrusted to us, no matter how much we have, no matter how much time, no matter how much energy, no matter what gifts and abilities, no matter how much money or resources that God has given us, it's all His and it's all been entrusted to us for His purposes for the master's purposes. You and I are living in the in-between time now. We've been given and there will come a day when our master will return.
and he will ask each one of us, how did you use what was given to you for my purposes? And we will each have to answer that question. So as we go through this series as a church, I trust that we will engage and we will respond with what God might be saying to us. And over these few weeks, we'll talk about our money and our possessions, our time and our energy, our gifts and our abilities, and how we can best use those for God's glory and for his purposes. The big takeaway for us this morning is simply this. My life is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all his. Will we pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for this time now. We want to thank you for what a good and generous, loving God you are. Thank you that you are a God who, has, who loves your children, who wants to bless your children. And you have given us so much. And we are so thankful. Lord, as we go through this series... I pray that you would allow us to exercise a spirit of discernment to find that place of balance where we can really enjoy the good things that you've given us. But in doing so, we can also find ways to bless others and grow your kingdom. And I pray, Father, that we might be people, that we might be men and women who will hear those affirming and commending words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we acknowledge this morning that everything we have, our very lives, all the resources and the time and the energy and the gifts and the abilities, it's all yours, it all belongs to you. Teach us, Lord, to use it wisely, to enjoy the good things that you've given us, but also to be people who are concerned primarily, not with our own comfort and convenience, building up our own empires and our own kingdoms, but people who are primarily concerned with your glory and seeing your glory and your kingdom established and extended throughout your world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.